favourites in my household. My kids would much prefer to watch Kenny and Lenny than uh, listen to Dad. Uh, the biggest argument in our house every week is who is Kenny and who is Lenny? I've still never been able to work that out. But uh, we're glad they're with us and I'm sure in the coming weeks, kids, families, we can bring them back for some more fun as we share together in this online experience. We're just going to set up this morning to uh, share around God's Word and I'm going to pray. And as I do that, can I encourage you if you are at home sitting with others, why don't you just pray together right now in your space and we can do it as a team here together. Why don't we pray together as we come to God's Word? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you that uh, you are with us today. We want to thank you for this uh, worship experience. We want to thank you that uh, we, uh, we have the freedom to come. I'm just mindful even as we worship you in a different way this week in small communities online, I recognize that um, it's just a small taste of the challenge that so many Christians around our world face who, who can't even gather together who face persecution, who, uh, who, uh, who put their life on the line to, to even do church and ministry. And so help us right-size our challenges uh, compared to some of those. Uh, and thank you for the freedom and the privilege that we have to, uh, to meet together and to, uh, and to share in this way. And uh, thank you for those who sit around us today, family, friends, life group, uh, might be people we've invited into our lounge room for the first time today. We want to thank you for each other and we pray that as we come around your word today, you might encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great to share together. Uh, I was with my life group on, uh, on Friday night. Uh, one of the privileges of doing community, uh, doing uh, extended family that we're going to talk about today is that privilege, of course, of... Uh, of doing life with others. And uh, yeah, of course, at, uh, at times as we gathered together, did the topic of coronavirus come up? Of course it did. Uh, did the topic of toilet paper come up? Of course it did. Uh, you know, that's the world we live in today. Um, uh, I've heard that uh, after Pastor Heather's message, in fact, last week, we've had at least five Collingwood supporters in therapy uh, worried about their scarf. Um, we, we love you. We love you. Um, but as we kind of chatted together, one of the things we also did on, uh, on Friday night was pray because uh, a couple in our life group on Tuesday are going to have their first child. And uh, it's a special baby for an incredibly special couple who are probably watching today and we're praying for you as you have that baby on Tuesday. And um, as we were praying for them, I started to think about uh, you know, heartbeats, a baby's heartbeat. Some of you who are parents will relate to this experience. I, as a male, it's that one time or a number of times, but a time when I feel so out of control. You know, uh, there is your wife or your partner uh, uh, and the ultrasound is happening and you're waiting for that heartbeat. And as a, a father, a husband, a leader, I am in a space where I'm so out of control. And then suddenly, well, it probably doesn't sound like that, but uh, there's, the, there's the heartbeat. And... You know, every one of us has a unique heartbeat. Every one of us has been created uniquely by God. Every one of us uh, has a heartbeat different to, to another. And I just want us to think about that as we begin this morning, because we are all unique. We're all unique. You know, we, 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 uh, we all have different, uh, a different fashion sense. 
You know, we, we, we get in the car and we all have our favourite playlist. Uh, I've just got a new car. It's got Apple Play. My kids love it. And they want to put on their music in the back seat, which is very different to my taste in the front seat, you know. Uh, you know, some of you are, are mad keen Richmond Tigers supporters and some of you, yes, yeah, sadly do follow Collingwood. Uh, um, Others of us, uh, others of us will go uh, home today, and uh, you know our, our choice of cuisine will be Asian. For some of us, it will be kind of traditional, you know, Aussie meat and three veg. Uh, I'm uh, on a pescatarian diet this year, and I still can't convince some of my colleagues to try tofu nuggets. They're good, uh, but we're all different. We're we're unique. But here's the challenge. Here's the but. Uh, if you're sitting at home, you might even look around the lounge room and say, but but. Here's the challenge. In our uniqueness, we're not called to individualism, the gospel. We're not called to individualism. We're called to interdependence. We're called to family. I mean, we see that playing out right now in shopping centres across Australia. Just the other day, I was in the shopping centre with my kids, and we only needed one roll of toilet paper. We had some pretty good supplies at home. And, of course, you know the story. It's the game we're all playing across Australia. There was very little there. And as one new kind of pallet was rolled out... Adult, grown-ups, human beings were knocking themselves over to get to it. They knocked over my, my, my youngest child and I was struck. That's individualism. That's the kind of lowest common denominator. But we're called to something far greater in the Gospels. We're called to interdependence. We're called to commonality. We're called to, to unity. We're called to family. I get to share today with uh, just a small group of people a different experience, but this is what the, the Bible calls us to. Heather introduced it last week, Pastor Heather, extended family. God's vehicle for mission has always been family. We see it from Genesis right through the scriptures. We see Abraham called as a family to become a family of families, to become a blessing to the nations. Jesus uses family language, his brothers, his sisters, who share in his mission to become that extended family together. And so this morning, let's just have a chat about extended family. We, uh, we've got a blackboard here, uh, new territory as well. Uh, no slides for me to press, no buttons. Uh, and it will show that I'm not a school teacher because you've got to read my writing. But we want to talk about what does it mean to be extended family? The Gospels calls us into common relationships. The Gospel talks about us being brothers and sisters. Crossway, a large church, in effect, we're, we're really a family of family of families. But, you know, uh, the series that we're looking at, which we started last week, is called This Is Us. And this is us, extended family. And I, I, I kind of feel there's something of a Kairos moment here, something prophetic about this. We planned this series a long time ago. We didn't plan to talk today about extended family on mission, knowing that with COVID-19, we wouldn't have worship services. I kind of feel God's ahead of us. God's always ahead of us. We're, we're going to be encouraged and challenged over the next few weeks or months. We don't know how long this thing is going to run. But we're going to be challenged to go back and to celebrate and cherish relationships like we maybe have never celebrated before. We're going to go back and we're going to be sitting in our families and with our life groups and our ministry groups and we're going to have the opportunity to unpack what does it really mean to be extended family. Can I encourage you to do that? It's a Kairos moment. What does it mean for us in Crossway, not meeting corporately, not meeting in big gatherings? What does it mean for us in small communities to gather an extended family? In Luke 3 and 4, 
as Jesus comes to begin his public ministry, Luke 3, 4, if you want to kind of look up those uh, passages later, Jesus uh, is baptised and then he's sent out into the wilderness, overcomes kind of temptation and then ready for his kingdom ministry. But what do we see in Luke 3 and 4? I think it's really important we grab hold of this again today as we think about extended family. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all there together in community. Yeah, that says Father, Son, and Spirit, okay? We see family being modelled. We see community being modelled. The Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. The Father who loves the Son. The Spirit who descends upon the Son to, to, to empower his ministry. And then what happens? Jesus steps out. And what does he do? He steps out into a broken world. He steps out into battle. But don't lose sight of this. He steps out with the beauty of family, of community around him. I want us to think about those three Bs today. Beauty, brokenness and battle. Because then look what Jesus does. He's commissioned for ministry and what's the first thing he does? He forms family around him. He invites the disciples and talk about unique. You know, you've got a Peter. You've got a Matthew. You've got a John. You know? he, they're a motley crew. You know, we gather with family at special occasions and we think, oh, you know, is Auntie Molly going to pull a fight with Uncle Bob again? You know, oh, I wish Uncle Pete, you know, uh, wouldn't do that thing that he always does. But that's family. No, don't look around your lounge room now and your life group. <laughs> don't. Don't. Um, but that's what Jesus does. He calls us together as unique, ordinary people. You know, I was sitting in my lounge room on Friday in my life group and uh, uh, one of the, the, the members in my life group who is Egyptian Greek in background was talking about how much pasta he's eaten. He was talking to an Italian. He was talking to a thin, fit Italian. You know what the thin, fit Italian said? I can tell you've eaten lots of pasta to that Egyptian Greek friend. Because <laughs> that's love, isn't it? <laughs> that's kind of community. That's being real in life together. So what does Jesus do? He forms family, an extended family. And can we highlight this? Let's get real. Jesus doesn't suddenly say, I'm going to bring a group of disciples around me and all we're going to be focused on is task, mission, ministry. Yes, of course, they're committed to that. That is the key focus. But he loves the team around him. He's in relationship. He does real life with them. He eats with them. He shares with them. He, he shares hopes and dreams and aspirations. He shares fear with them. Uh, they, they talk about the real issues of life. If, if they were uh, living today, they'd be sitting around talking about coronavirus. Jesus does real life with his family, and he calls us to do that in this world today. But more than that, Jesus models intentionality. Intentionality. Extended family, intentional family. Intentional family. In John 4, and again in John 6, and throughout the Gospels, Jesus says, I have come to do the will of the Father who sent me. That's my, my focus. That's my resolve. That's my purpose. That's my mission. I, I, my food is the will of the Father. I, I, I've been sent to do what God wants me to do. I'm not about what I want to do. I'm about what the Father wants. There's intentionality. At a time like this, 
as we think about what does it mean for us to reclaim community, to build community as extended family, God would want to say to us by his spirit today, how can we build extended family that is also intentional? Uh, John Maxwell Maxwell writes that uh, to live a significant life, you need to make intentional decisions every day. I like that. John Maxwell doesn't say to be successful in the world's eyes. He says to be significant. You need to make intentional decisions every day. That's us here today. Uh, Are we making intentional decisions about what matters most in building community and being a people on mission together? Particularly at a time like this, reaching out to others in need, bringing the hope of Jesus, putting others before ourselves, extended family, intentional family. Josh Becker, another writer, says, Ask yourself today, are you courageously willing to shape your life around family, friends, priorities and vocation? that's aligned to what God's heart and will is? That's a good question. Uh, Are we ready to shape our lives uh, around extended family and around intentional living practices and patterns that reflect the heart of Jesus? We see it in Jesus. He was intentional in his purpose, his mission, his focus. But more than that, he was intentional in his relationships. He enjoyed spending time with his friends, his disciples. I don't know, it's not a verse in the scriptures, but I, I like to think about him skimming rocks and you know, with his mates, talking life and barbecuing fish, talking about the real issues of life. He was intentional in his relationships. He was intentional in his spirituality. He got up early in the morning, he prayed. He had spiritual disciplines and practices. He was intentional in his attitude, his humility, his servanthood. He was intentional all the way to the cross for you and I. Not my will, Father, but yours. Christ-like intentionality in the midst of beautiful, extended family. That's what we're called to at a time like this. What does that mean for you and I? Some of you will know that over recent uh, weeks, I've uh, I've been referring to a passage in Romans uh, on a number of occasions. Uh, You can tell it's uh, it's getting a bit of a workout in my Bible. because um, it's, it's a PS passage. It's, it's Romans 16. It comes at the end of the scriptures and it's kind of the passage we might kind of think, ah, that's just uh, you know, an afterthought. Or you know, we could give it to someone like Lockie or Sam to read and say, um, hey guys, read this in a hurry because there's lots of unusual hard names to read. You know, in 16 verses, we get 27 names. I'm not going to read the passage now. Have a look at it today, Romans 16, 1 to 16. In those 16 verses, we get 27 names, 27 unique people, 27 people all wired differently, 27 men and women, unique, but 27 people who we could say are also ordinary, but who are called together. And here it is, they're called together an extended family. And then what do we read? This ordinary bunch start to change their neighbourhood. They start to change their city. One of them, Amplitas, is sent out and he goes to Bulgaria and takes the gospel. And in Bulgaria today, they still sing a hymn about him, apparently. I'm not very good in Bulgarian. But um, he didn't go alone. He took the gospel, he took the good news in the context of extended family where there was intentionality. You know, go home and read that passage over and over again. What do you see? They say... We love Jesus together, but more than that, 
there's a sense of we love each other. They use the word beloved. We're in this together. We love Jesus. We love each other. We're doing life together. There's purpose. And hey, how about this? As 27 pretty ordinary people with the mission of God in our hands, we're making a difference. We're taking on Rome. Now, why do I think this is a passage that we really ought to be thinking about today? I think it's a passage we ought to be thinking about today because um, those Roman believers faced persecution. They faced opposition. Uh, Life was tough. They were economically economically marginalised. They were, they were challenged. It was, it was tough. It was stretching. It was hard. Their situation, I think, far worse than ours today. Yeah, we're not meeting for public worship, but uh, we don't really face what they faced. And yet we also recognise around the world today there are people who uh, live uh, in chaos and turmoil and we do want to stand with those who are unwell. We stand with those who have lost loved ones. We, we pray for, um, for healing. We pray for uh, a cure. We pray for an end to this virus. But we also recognise the challenging context of those first century believers. And this is what I want us to grab hold of today. What do we see? we see the same thing that we saw as Jesus begins his public ministry. Rather than shrink back, rather than fear, rather than step back, rather than kind of take on a holy huddle, rather than just stay in their lounge rooms, they embrace the world around them. But how do they do that? Those three Bs again. In the beauty of community in the beauty of extended family, in the beauty of having others around them, cheering them on. You know, Paul ends that passage, greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, we're not recommending that in today's environment. (laughs) In fact, we're not even recommending shaking hands. We're not even recommending fists. It changes daily. We've got to waving. Maybe next it's kind of blinking or nodding. (laughs) Um, But they celebrate community. They celebrate the beauty of community. They're doing life together in their homes, sharing meals, looking out for each other, caring for each other. They're extended family. There's the beauty of that. But there's intentionality because they step out into a broken world. They step out into battle together. They step out with the mission of Jesus to be his hands and his feet. Is there a Kairos opportunity, Crossway? There a Kairos opportunity. I really believe that. Behind all that's happening in our world for us this week, with our family, with our neighbours, in our life group, in our prayer group, in our basketball team, in the community garden, in the Jeep club, whatever it is, your small community, how this week can you permeate, how this week can you model the beauty of extended family and step out into a broken world in the midst of battle and be Jesus together? What a privilege. What an opportunity. You know, it could be as simple as uh, the life care pack. No, we don't want the empty water and the sausages and the Collingwoods flag. But, you know, we, we genuinely are short on food. It could be this week that you rally around and you put others before yourself and that you drop food in. We're even preparing for a season where if our whole facilities are closed, how people can drive in and drop off food, that we can still serve our community together in Jesus' name. So 
can we unpack this this morning in our lounge rooms? I keep saying around the dining table, I'm starting to get hungry. If you're sitting at home today and you've got coffee and croissants, if you've got, uh, I don't know, you try to impersonate Chef Albert's special, uh, just think about us here, hungry. <laughs> so we get tough this morning. No, not really. It's our privilege to be with you. But can I encourage us to think this morning, what does that look like for us today in the world that we live in? Let's be honest, we're not sure when we're going to meet for public worship. Things are going to look different for a little while. But what does it look like for us? Can I highlight these three things really quickly this morning about being on the front foot? Extended family, intentionality, modelling the way of Jesus. Can I suggest that first and foremost, being on the front foot means intentionally building authentic community. You know, I said God's ahead of us. Uh, later this year, we're planning to launch a new strategy to emphasise small groups, <laughs> to emphasise extended family. I reckon God's ahead of us. He's saying, hey, we're going to be fast-forwarding some of that stuff. So we're doing it now. That, that'll look different for all of us. But here's a few challenges. We need to intentionally build that kind of community. It doesn't just happen. Can I throw out a challenge this week? Can I throw out a challenge to those of you who know you're already in a really loving, extended family? You're in a life group, you're in a prayer group, you're in a missional community, you've got people around you. This week I throw out a challenge that every one of those groups should find one person who's isolated. Every one of us should find one person on the fringes. The reality is today, there'll be some people who won't join our service, probably older people, because they just don't get the technology. Maybe we reach out to older people this week in advance of next week that we've got an older person sitting in our lounge room next week, serve them a cup of tea and they can share in worship with us. Come on, cross. Well, let's be real. Let's be imaginative. Let's be practical. Let's seize this opportunity as a Kairos moment to say, how do we celebrate and cherish community like we might have never celebrated before? It can be simple things. It can be simple things, but simple things can make a difference. The reality is, if the projections continue as we expect they will, there, there may be families in our own community, our own church community, who are forced into self-isolation. How do we love them, care for them? How do we share with them? As we build authentic community, can I also throw this challenge out? Authentic community isn't superficial community. It's more than online community. It's us being real in the context we find ourselves in, being with others. But you know, if you're a small group or a life group and you meet once a fortnight and you do your two-hour Bible study and they don't see each other for two weeks, that is an authentic community. Authentic community is about proximity. It's about regularly being together. It's about uh, phoning each other. It's about ringing each other. It's about emailing each other. It's about praying for each other. It's about reaching out to those who have a need. It's about celebrating the birth of a baby in our life group this week. It's about doing life real together. Can I throw out a challenge to every one of our small groups, whatever they look like at Crossway? Over the next couple of weeks, ask yourself, how do we build authentic community together? How do we do it together? And how do we reach out as an extended family with intentionality to make a difference in our community? How do we do that? How do we model Father, Son and Spirit? How do we model that we are not alone, that we are together? How do we not shrink back but step out in authentic community that is small? We say at Crossway, there's room for you. Usually we think about room for you maybe in a big auditorium 
or across our campuses. We've got to take hold of that value in the next few weeks, the next few months. Think about it in the space of our lounge room, living room, backyards, coffee tables, wherever we are, there's room for you. How do we build authentic community that matters, extended family, with intentionality, that models the way of Jesus? Second thing, can I suggest we'd be on the front foot in embracing brokenness around us? Not just people struggling with life, with the coronavirus, but in the midst of that, it usually becomes a trigger for other things. You know, stress levels are going to increase. Panic's going to increase. It's not just about, you know, chasing, you know, the, the one roll of toilet paper. It's bigger and deeper than that. Uh, mental health, emotional health, physical health, the challenges of how we do life in unusual worlds. If I look at the way of Jesus... Extended family, intentionality. What does Jesus model? I think you know it. He steps out into a broken world and he engages one life at a time with brokenness. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way of extended family. Together to step out as the hands and feet of Jesus into a beautiful but a broken world in the midst of battle and to be Jesus together. Those who've been around Crossway for a while will know that uh, I often find myself going back to Luke chapter 7. It's a a really good passage of scripture, one of my favourites. And in Luke 7, Jesus confronts a woman who's lost her husband and who now has lost her only son. It's a picture of absolute devastation in the culture of the day. She's lost her husband. She's now lost her only son. She's lost all her means of income, her economic support. Her family systems have been shattered. Some people around our world know that this week with coronavirus and the loss of loved ones. We, her whole world has been shattered. And I love this. The scriptures say Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. He saw her individually. He didn't see a crowd. He saw her. And the scriptures say he wept. He had compassion on her. But better than that, the scripture says his gut was moved. His gut was moved because of what he saw, the need that he saw. That's the way of Jesus. We're called to be people whose gut is moved for needs around us. If there's ever a time to put others first, it's now. (laughs) Is is there ever a time that we can model Christ-like compassion? It's now. Is every time we can roll up our sleeves and embrace people doing it tough? It's today. It's now. It's not about us. It's about others. It's about us taking the hope and love of Jesus as extended family with intentionality to those doing it tough in our community. It's why we invite you to drop food in this week. Wouldn't it be great if our foyer was overflowing? Wouldn't it be great, seriously, if our foyer was overflowing with food that we could give away to those in need? You know, my wife does a lot of uh, work behind the scenes, quietly, humbly, uh, working with uh, refugee and asylum seeker families. In the past week, we sat with a family from the Middle East who've experienced the horror of five years in offshore detention. Five years. Locked away in Nauru, no one should ever experience that. We should continue to speak out against that in the name of Jesus. And here sitting in my lounge room was a 16-year-old girl. First time I'd met her, Megan knew the family. 
We shared some food together. We used Google Translator to talk with the parents. The daughter speaks English. It became obvious that one of her needs in starting school here in Australia uh, this past month was that she needed a new laptop or she needed a laptop. She wasn't asking for it. She wasn't asking us to give it to her. But after they left, I said to Megan, as extended family with intentionality, we should be able to do something about this today. And uh, I just threw out there on uh, GoFundMe the challenge that we might just raise $1,000, pretty small amount of money, to buy this young woman a laptop. You know what? In less than 24 hours, that money was raised. That computer was bought. Here's the fun part of it. The least IT person in the world then got to sit in the lounge room and try to get it going for her. I was kind of loading the software and I was trying to look really like I knew what I was doing and it kept coming up kind of error messages all around. Um, And I was praying, God, please make this work. And finally it worked. And you know what? I would love to bottle the smile on that girl's face. After five years locked in detention, after five years of feeling that she doesn't matter, after five years of feeling like, is she really cared for? A group of strangers to her, but extended family from Crossway and some other Christians from around our city and the country raised a thousand bucks and she had a computer. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way of Jesus. That's simple stuff. Extended family with intentionality. Extended family that doesn't shrink back, that doesn't say life's too challenging, that doesn't uh, fear, that doesn't say we're going to look after ourselves, but extended family that reaches out and actively builds community, authentic community, that invites others in. Extended intentional family that says, hey, let's lock arms as a group, as a small group, as a prayer group, as a basketball team, as a ministry group, let's lock arms over the next week and let's actively engage in brokenness. Let's roll up our sleeves. Yeah, let's do all the right public hygiene and health things, yes, but let's engage in brokenness together and be the hands and feet of Jesus at a time when people are longing for hope, are longing for some sense of God at work in their lives today. And finally, as we uh, kind of pull all this together this morning, extended family with intentionality, what do we see? We see Jesus come to the end of his earthly ministry. He's gone to the cross in that intentional resolve for us. Uh, Death could not hold him down. He's, He's come back to life. He comes to that same group of family. That same group of family who stood there and wept as he went to the cross. That same group of family who are trying to get their head around the resurrection. And that same family are now together. And I love this if you go and read the Great Commission story at the end of Matthew today. I love this. It says the disciples came together. In my translation, the disciples came together but they still didn't really have it all together. I love that. (laughs) I love that. They were still doubting. They were still asking questions. Why? Because they're ordinary people. The mission of God in the hands of ordinary people. They had questions. God hadn't finished with them yet, but it didn't mean that they weren't qualified for mission. What does Pastor Tim Pierce so often say? None of us are excluded. None of us are disqualified. When we come to know Jesus, when we're a child of God that was sung about this morning, when we embrace Jesus, when we embrace extended family, when we embrace intentionality, God says, I've got a place for you. 
I've got purpose for you. And Jesus gives the great commission or the mandate to go and multiply disciples. And you know what? 2,000 years plus on, we're here today because they started that. (laughs) An extended family with intentionality who didn't shrink back, empowered by the Spirit, together in community. And they begin a movement that we're a part of today, 2,000 years on, still changing the world. Hey, Crossway, for such a time as this, extended family with intentionality. Let me finish with this little story. I was uh, reading recently uh, about a a group of uh, Canadian followers of Jesus. They were hipsters. I'm not a hipster. (laughs) They were hipsters. Um, I was in New York recently and I went to Williams... uh, Is it Williamstown? Williamsburg. Yeah, Williamsburg. That's right. Thanks, team. (laughs) I went to Williamsburg where the hipsters hang out for brunch. And I looked old. (laughs) And... uh, they all, uh, they all have uh, brekkie for brunch and they have a Bloody Mary. I ordered my first ever Bloody Mary. I never drank it. Whew, it was bad. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's got its name. Anyway, um, but um, here was this group of hipsters in Canada and they come together in a Bible study group and they live near a public housing estate and they feel like God is saying to them, open your eyes to need around you. So they open their eyes. And they begin to uh, develop relationships with people of peace, as we might call them, uh, within that uh, housing estate. They befriend people. They invite them into their lounge room. They're doing extended family. And with intentionality, they say, what are the needs? They do a bit of research and they find out the greatest need in the local area is, in fact, a laundromat. People haven't got washing machines and dryers. It's a long way to walk or to get to the the nearest coin laundromat. So what does this group of really smart hipsters do? The mission of God in the hands of ordinary people, they think, you know, it's not that hard. If we buy a few second-hand washing machines and a few second-hand dryers and we put them into a little space at the back of a community hall, and they do that. And guess what? Bingo. People start to come and wash their clothes. People start to come and dry their clothes. Now, this is a really intelligent group because they realize that as the clothes are spinning in the washing machine and dryers, there's some dead time. (laughs) And they say, what if we put a few lounges in that space? What if we have a little coffee machine? What if we have some magazines and newspapers? And what if we just hang out and befriend people and do life together and share some food as clothes are being dried? What happens? An extended family is formed. You know, today, today, There's now an extended family laundromat church that meets in that space every Sunday afternoon in that town with more than 80 people who come together as an extended family who've come to know Jesus through the laundromat. Isn't that a great story? Isn't that a great story? Extended family with intentionality who, because they're the laundromat church, love to sing, we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. No, they don't. Um, But they know what life is. And they know what it is to do life together. And they know what it is to do life with intentionality. And they know what it is to make a difference in their community. Crossway, this week, we go out from online church to a world asking big questions, to a world in chaos, to a world where people feel like life is out of control. We step out into a world where we're not sure what tomorrow will bring, but what we are confident in is our God's. 
and our calling as children of God to be people of redemptive purpose. There is nothing more noble, nothing more exciting, nothing better in our life. We're called to redemptive purpose. We're called to be front foot people, not to shrink back, not to fear, not to panic, but as a people of faith, we're called to build community, authentic community, to reach out and engage in brokenness together and to see disciples multiply for such a time as this. Let's do it crossway. Let's be imaginative. Let's dream. Let's build community. Let's make a difference together this week in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the privilege of extended family. Thank you that as I worship here and stand here today with family at Crossway, good people, thank you that we do that in lounge rooms. We do that around kitchen tables. We do that in cafes. We do that wherever we are. Remind us that you are in our midst, Jesus front and center. And I pray that rather than shrink back, this will be a time in our church's history where we step forward in ways that we've never stepped forward before. Where we step forward in faith, where we step forward in small community, extended family, doing life together, caring for each other, serving each other, entering into brokenness, building disciples. Jesus, help us to seize this moment. We don't know what tomorrow brings but we're confident in our God. We don't know what tomorrow may bring, but we know, God, you are unchanging. You are good. You are here with us today. So go with us. Help us to model beautiful community in a broken world. We pray that together. Amen. Amen. James Lewis.